Thunderbolt Strange. Welcome to the Thunderbolt Strength Podcast, where we hear about the lives of strong people. This is Bryant Hankins, and I have my co-host, Molly. What's up, Bryant? And Kevin. What's up, Bryant? Today, we have Dr. Tom Kinsella, owner of Spark Chiropractic and co-owner of CrossFit Mischief, and Jeff Sandberg, a leading physical therapist and educator, as well as a CrossFit athlete. We're going to be talking about CrossFit, injuries, as well as the answer to the big question, is CrossFit dangerous? Dun, dun, dun. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks for having me. Before we get started, I'm going to give a little legal disclaimer because we're going through medical stuff. So here it is for all you lawyers out there. The opinions expressed on this podcast are those of our guests and do not represent the organizations they work for or CrossFit Thunderbolt. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding medical conditions. All right. That was beautiful, Brian. I couldn't have said it any better. Thank you. I'm thinking if this whole like IT thing doesn't work out for me, I can go into you know voiceovers or something. Uh, so we usually like to start out with background. So how did you guys get into the medical field? Was it one of those things where growing up you played a lot of doctor? You're like, hey, I want to be, I want to be in this world. What? So uh, maybe Jeff, we'll start with you. How did you get into this world? Sure. So I. Um I grew up, I'll say, trying to play a lot of sports. Um, I played a lot of different sports, uh, not necessarily good at any specific one, but um, had my fair share of injuries. Um, so went through my own therapy. Um, ultimately, my goal had been to be actually a doctor. So I went to UIC. Um, I was doing pre-med and just one day ran into someone that was doing the physical therapy route and kind of decided to make that switch. And here we are. How about you, Tom? Yeah, for me, um, I'd say I always had a passion. It was never specifically being a chiropractor specific. It was, um, I'd say, growing up, I always had a, a fascination for health and, and kind of how the body moved itself. Um, you know, I remember third grade just thinking like, okay, my arm is moving. Why is my arm moving? Is my brain telling my arm to move? You know, just kind of just kind of ran with that. And um, it was, it always fascinated me just how the human body works itself. I mean, it's such a complex, um, organism that made up of, you know, millions of different parts that everything works together and, and why it functions and how it works. Um, and then I kind of, kind of ran with that through, through college. Um, I, I went to undergrad at North Central College, got my, um, education degree as, as health and phys, phys ed. So I taught for a few years and um, in that route. But as far as being like a chiropractor, I had a chiropractor in high school that kind of, kind of saved me from surgery. I was, uh, kind of any sport, any court type of athlete. So in high school, I played volleyball and football. So pretty compact sports that pretty taxing on the body itself. And, and about my senior year, I, I got to a point where my back was, you know, pretty, pretty, it, it bothered me a lot. So I could, I could barely, barely walk. Um, I could definitely couldn't play any sports. Went to an orthopedist, uh, went that route, and first thing they told me was, you know, surgery. You're going to have to have back surgery. Thought it was pretty aggressive. I was about 16, 17 years old. Definitely didn't want to go that route. So I had, I had an uncle who's a, a, a big-time uh, swimmer. He's like, hey, you know, check out my chiropractor. See if that helps. Try that first. Take this avenue. So I did that, comboed that with physical therapy, and I was able to back in sports in a couple months. So it kind of saved me the route of 
actually going through physical therapy. And I thought, well, hey, if I could do this without getting th- without without getting surgery, then definitely other people can do this. Yeah. And 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 that kind of sparked my passion for um, the anti-surgery route. And I, I, I'm not against surgery, obviously, but um, but everyone, I, I think it's overprescribed, and we definitely don't sure. need that. So um, I figured the human body can kind of fix itself in a, in a sense, and and I went with that. After I after I taught for a couple of years, went back to school, got my doctorate in chiropractic, and then and then now I'm here doing a podcast. So. <laughs> How you got to this moment in time? Exactly, specifically, right yeah, here, right, right here, now. Jeff. Yeah. So, so that makes sense. And then, so Jeff, for your path, you said you know. You figured at some point, doctor doesn't make sense. What does it look like to finally becoming a physical therapist? Then there's there's specific schooling and everything. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, the daunting, you know, um, years of school and just everything going the doctor route um, just didn't click with what was going on with my family. You know, some different issues, um, family medical stuff, and um, was looking at alternative routes and. Ironically, I ended up then going for nine years of college. So honestly, I probably could be a doctor by this point. Uh, right. uh, but yeah, so physical therapy, um, if you're looking at sort of the minimum requirement, it's a bachelor's degree. So for four and a half, five years, whatever it takes somebody to finish that bachelor's degree, followed by, uh, depending on the program, somewhere in the range of, I think it's 33 to 34 months. So almost another three years. Uh, and it's now universally um, a doctorate level. Uh, education. Okay. And then are there different like specialties in the world of physical therapy too, or is it sort of like a general thing that everyone does? Uh, There's definitely specialties, definitely specialties. So everybody graduates with sort of that basic level of education and knowledge. You pass the board exam, which is comprised of all the different realms, everything from pediatrics to cardiopulmonary to exercise physiology, uh, orthopedics, neurological, et cetera. Uh, Once everybody graduates, then that's where they start to take on more of a specialization. And there's so many different bodies, kind of like in the exercise science world, where you can get certified through, et cetera. Um, Some better than others, of course. But yes, it is. It can be very specialized as much as you want it to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're like working in conjunction with doctors and other medical specialists kind of as a team? Absolutely. Absolutely. So... um, For me personally, and I would struggle to think of, um, at least in Illinois, how someone would be completely in silo. Um, Recently, uh, not to get too political, but recently direct access was passed, which basically means now, much like you can for a chiropractor, you can walk into a physical therapy office now without a script from a physician. Mm -hmm. Uh, I won't go completely down the wormhole, but that uh, that gets a little tricky because insurance companies can still put their stamp on that and decide whether or not they'll reimburse if you don't have an order from a doctor. Um, oh, so you have the health insurance side of it, and then you also have like the consumer side, and or do you end up having people that shouldn't be getting physical therapy? And like, so was there a benefit for them going to their doctor because they would say yes, you need it, or no, you don't, or do you know what I mean? It was like a first level qualification. Yeah, good question. So with direct access, again, this is probably a little outside of the scope, but there are certain requirements that have to be fulfilled. So as they pass the bill, you know, they said, we'll pass it with certain things. So, um, and to be honest, currently I'm not utilizing this in my practice, so I am not an expert on the exact rules, but it's something along the lines, if someone's not improving in X amount of time, you must refer them to a physician. You also must be in contact with their primary care physician at some point. So there are still a lot of regulations in place. Um, but 
prior to that in the state of Illinois. Illinois is a little behind the time as far as other states have had direct access for a while, just meaning you could go into the physical therapy place down the street and seek care. Got it. And then, Tom, for you, like chiropractor, someone can just come straight in up the street, right? They don't necessarily need a doctor's prescription or something? Correct, correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, recommended to, uh, if someone comes in, obviously, I, you know, I send them out if it's something that's out of my realm. Um, but definitely do not need a referral uh, unless it's in based on, unless insurance requires it. Got but it. it's amazing and kind of like Jeff said, you know, not to go down this wormhole. It is amazing <laughs> how much insurance can dictate healthcare. Sure, you know, it's in a, in a utopian society like all right, we're, our main goal is to get someone better. Yeah, you know, and insurance really doesn't care. They're like, what's the bottom line? You know, how much yeah. are we going to pay for this? Blah blah blah. Yes. And and you can't do this. You can't do that. This is what you can do. It's like, well, yeah. how, how come you're dictating what? what we can do when that's not how it works, you know? Yeah. And how, so how much of you guys' day as we start to get into like day to day is like dealing with insurance companies? Do you do that or do you have? Oh my God. That, are... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is my life, you know, yeah. <laughs> dealing with insurance is it's unbelievable. Denials, um, sending paperwork. And just because I'm a sole, uh, I, I own the company, you know, and, and luckily right now I hired someone on to do, uh, I have a full-time receptionist that now I'm starting to incorporate her to deal with more in the insurance, you know. Hey, call this insurance, figure out why they, they denied these codes. Everything is based on codes with insurance, right? We're going to send these codes out, tie the diagnosis to the code. If they don't match up, insurance says, hey, we're not going to pay it. You know, oh, wow. we're not going to reimburse you. It's like, okay, so call them. They'll put you on hold for uh, sometimes in about an hour and then, <laughs> and then deal with that. So it, it's a major, major time-consuming yeah. event to deal with insurance, for sure. Absolutely. Same, same for you, Jeff? So I'm more on the spoiled end of that spectrum because I do work for a hospital system. Yeah. So we have people at every level taking care of, uh, you know, everything from scheduling to insurance authorization, et cetera. So um, I'm shielded from that to a certain degree, although still daily I'm having conversations with patients, um, you know, about what their benefits are, because of course I'm with them 40 to 60 minutes, you know, we start to talk about it and I still need to understand and be able to explain to them why yeah. it's not going to be covered and, you know, things of that nature. So insurance drives the industry, unfortunately. And I think that's why there is a huge growing wave, even more than there has been in the past of cash-based services and cash-based clinics, meaning that they circumvent the insurance. They say, here's what it'll be out of pocket. Yeah. Because with high deductibles and things, that's starting to become more reasonable for some people to do. Yeah. Um, so it, it's really interesting. I think it's a really interesting time in healthcare right now. Well, is that like the one that you were checking out, Molly Arosti? They're, they're kind of that way, right? Where it's sort of like you walk in, you it's yeah. cash and... Uh, well, no, they do deal oh. with insurance oh, as well. Okay. I My understanding... Um, I know they're really tied to the CrossFit world. Yeah. Well, yeah. when I went to check them out, that was my understanding. It's a doctor of chiropractic and it's more uh, along the direct access route. So people can kind of refer themselves or go there and you can pay cash or they do deal with insurance. Right. Sometimes. And I think for some people that have the cash, they're just like, I don't want to hassle with all the crap and just get it done. Try to quickly get to some kind of resolution. Especially for someone like uh, an individual that doesn't work for a major corporation like myself, mm -hmm. I have to buy my own insurance and yeah. like join the club. We're all <laughs> deductible is just, it doesn't yeah. make sense to even, yeah. you know, go through insurance, but yeah, major medical, you know, major, major problem that's covered. You know, that's, about what we're going for with our insurance. Yeah. So what we're talking about day-to-day, -day, I want to kind of jump into like day-to-day -day life for you guys. What would be like the most common injury you'd see for people that walk in, uh, I guess, 
for you first time? What, what's the most common thing you're treating with or dealing with on a regular basis? Yeah. Or does it really vary? I mean, it varies. Uh, all my patients, you know, come in for, you know, full body pretty much, yeah. uh, mainly musculoskeletal, um, you know, headaches and stuff and aches, pains, discomforts, anything muscular wise. But I would say, uh, you know, majority of the, the public, they, they think chiropractic and they hear, or they hear chiropractic and they think, you know, back. Yes, yeah, so that's exactly what I was waiting for. I was setting you up. I was expecting you to say oh, back. But put it on a T and I was supposed not? to hit it off. But yeah, sorry. Um, but majority, I'd say back. You oh, know? it is? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, upper back, neck, and, and low back. Yeah. I mean, yeah, majority. So is your, uh, like, average day, is it doing a lot of adjustments? Or is it is, it, is that kind of another misnomer of, of chiropractors? Like, you think they're, like, doing adjustments all day and everything? No. I mean, there's, and not to get down a wormhole again, bring that up. There's, there's kind of two different philosophies of chiropractic. One is, you know, the adjustment sets everything in yeah. line right there. Whereas mine is more kind of a full body approach to it. Whereas someone comes in, you know, um, with a little back pain, we're going to figure out, you know, what's causing a little back pain. Do a lot of, I do a lot of soft tissue work, um, working, you know, use my hands. So each patient probably gets, you know, 30 to 45 minutes of individualized care yeah. as opposed to just, here's an adjustment. See you, see you in a week, you know? And so, I've been to see Tom, so I can back you up on that one. <laughs> Thank you. <Matt. laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, I guess to go through, what a patient patient's first day to to treatment patient would come in i spend an hour with with them you know go over thorough history and it's amazing what you can uncover in just a history alone oh, you know yeah. without even looking at i mean you can watch them walk in and if they're walking in kind of like frankenstein with their arms out in front and their back is you know then i'm saying okay their back's obviously hurting you know yeah but you can uncover so much just on just on a history alone just by sitting down and talking to someone for and usually we it's 20 to 30 minutes i'll sit down and talk to someone at my in my office and say okay we're going to go to the next room and then i'm going to put you through some you know ranges of motion trying to figure out you know kind of exactly what's going on some orthopedic tests and whatever trying to figure out what the problem is that way and then i'll base treatment off that and if they need need a referral out i'll send them out to get x-rays um usually i'll wait for an mri um if they need an mri but if it's if it's a severe case then i'll say all right we're gonna go get an mri right now um i don't do x-rays in office uh, but we, I do a clinic that I use um, just to get x-rays alone. And just then so you can see what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And then second visit would just be a report of findings. Kind of go everything what I found. I, this is your diagnosis. This is the treatment plan. You know, you're going to come in two, three times a week for three, four weeks or whatever it may be. Right. But, but um, the main goal is everyone's individualized, you know, try to make sure that um, it's not just a one in one out type of deal. You know, yeah. try to individualize every patient. And how about you, Jeff? Similar or different? Uh, actually, pretty similar. So uh, I'm guessing Tom's seen this or experienced this. It, I, it's refreshing to hear because I tell people about this all the time and some of my patients and their experience with chiropractic has been more that traditional. Um, yeah. I think you would say traditional of what people think is more that adjustment route. Absolutely. Probably. Absolutely. Um, but I've taken a ton of continuing education courses and I'm in some different like mentor circles with chiropractors with sort of that movement classification and, you know, soft tissue work sort of approach. Um, and that honestly then there becomes a lot more overlap, in my opinion, between the PT and chiropractic, um, because what he's explaining is pretty comparable to um, a plan of care for some of my patients. Okay. Um, so to backpedal, uh, you asked about main diagnosis scene. Yeah. So for me personally, mine is probably a little more heavily 
um, the extremities. So our, um, you know, shoulders, knees, ankles, um, because I do specialize in treating athletes and especially runners within our um, hospital system. I've uh, created a pathway for different therapists to specialize in treating runners. And so I get a lot of direct referrals for that. Uh, but in general, it's sort of that same volume, I'd say, you know, 40-ish percent back pain, then, you know, neck pain, and then the extremities probably uh, tail off after that. Um, but for myself, a little more of probably the extremities. And as far as the visits go, that, you know, a patient comes in, you get to know them, you do an evaluation. Um, we personally um, carve out a little bit at the end and talk about findings that time, um, if we can, although I sort of like his approach because sometimes that feels a little rushed. Yeah. So that second visit does turn into that. And then uh, time-wise, our visits sound pretty similar, somewhere in the range of 40 to 60 minutes. I do, um, I, I like to get in and do some soft tissue work. I use um, Graston Technique or instrument-assisted soft tissue mobilization. And I am a very big, I'm a self-proclaimed movement geek. So one of the biggest things I do with people is analyze their movement, figure out why they're here. So not just, okay, what's your running volume? You have knee pain. I actually look at how they're running. How do they squat? How do they lunge? And really try to break down. So not just, we can get you better right now. Yeah. Because then they're probably coming back. Um, I try to figure out, great, you're feeling better now, but what led to that? Right. And, and I that's think both of you guys do like a level of like gait analysis for, you know, runners or even people just to see if they're hot, kind of, are they moving correctly? Because I mean, I don't know, I feel like that's a big thing with CrossFit, Kevin, you talk about that where it's like a lot of what you feel like you're doing with a coach is like fixing people's messed up movement, right? It's like yeah. teaching them to move properly. Right, yeah. yeah. Use your body correctly. Not everyone understands how to hip hinge correctly. And sometimes people feel like if they're bending over whatsoever in like a deadlift or something like that, oh, well, I'm not supposed to lift with my back. I'm supposed to lift with my legs, that sort of thing. But let me tell you, when CrossFit has deadlift day, it's fantastic for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's new business for yeah. yeah. <laughs> More weight, go faster. No. Yeah, I mean, that is one of the things we want to get into. I want to talk about a little bit from a, a runner perspective and also from a CrossFit. Um, I know you mentioned you do a lot of runners, so, and we have a, a lot of people in the gym that are working on doing their first half marathon or doing a full. Some of us oh, yeah. working Some on our first it. 50K. Some are working their first 50K. Some of them are doing wow. their first half today, right? Yeah, yep. we had a couple doing the this one. morning. Yeah. This morning we had four athletes out at the half yeah. marathon. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess uh, in terms of prehab kind of stuff, what do you? what's the most common way that you see runners injuring themselves? I guess either one of you. And then um, – you know, any tips to, to keep them out of your office or not showing up to see you guys? Like, uh, from a runner's perspective, what do you see the most that people maybe you're doing wrong or aren't thinking about or should be doing more of? Um, I, that is a really loaded question. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's really loaded. But I would say one of the biggest things, if I had to say something that I commonly need to uh, wake people up to yeah. is just weakness. So lack of strength training. Um, and intentional strength training for things like running. Okay. Um, and so just one example being that quite often people are very weak laterally. So um, they're very strong. They might be, you know, weightlifters. They might be CrossFit athletes. They're great in that front to back. And running is a front, you know, a forward 
movement. It's point A to point B. Um, but you'll see these people that go side to side as they run. The classic, if you see the female from behind and the ponytail is swinging left to right yeah. the entire time, um, and you watch them on video, they are wasting so much of their energy because instead of going from point A to B, they're also going side, side to, to side. side. And that's a lot of wasted energy. Yeah. And so I've had a lot of people that I that have had limited insurance, et cetera, and they've said, I need one or two things to work on. Yeah. And I've worked on, you know, glute med strengthening, single leg control, and seen results. So I definitely think that's one. It is not all inclusive for sure. Okay. I'll pass it to and then uh, not specifically just for runners alone, but kinda of, you, you kind of mentioned like what are we gonna do for our patients that, you know, so that they don't have to keep coming back mm -hmm. because they're getting hurt, you know? Yeah. Um, so patient comes in, let's say for instance, they have a low back pain. Okay, well, we've, we figure out the what, you know, what's going on, you have a low back pain. Now the main the main thing we gotta figure out is why, all right? Why is everything, and, and like Kevin mentioned, you know, because you're doing deadlifts, maybe you're not hip hinging correctly. So uh, one approach I like to take, and especially um, not just specifically for runners, but um, I deal with you know a lot of CrossFit athletes, mm -hmm. you know, doing a lot of functional based movements. So I do have a good screen that I like to use. Um, there's a good uh, functional FMS screen, it's called or SFMA, um, and there's another guy called Yanda who came up with a, a, an approach to um, to screening um, patients. Yeah. And I just I I went through, picked my own. I have about ten, maybe twelve different um, movements that I like to do. And just kind of base it off that. So we're going to do, you know, one-legged squat, you know, step down and see if, you know, how your ankle's moving, if you're getting lack of dorsiflexion, if maybe you're decreasing mobility. Um, figure out what's causing this to load up your low back, you know, whether it, it, it could be a number of things. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, the main goal is to figure out the why. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that makes total sense from a running. Since you brought it up, and since we're all, I know we'll have a lot of CrossFit people listening, let's switch to the CrossFit side. In terms of CrossFit, um, what do you see people doing either when you're in the gym, just watching people lift and you're like, Oh, you're cringing well, that they shouldn't be doing or, um, I don't know, things that I guess people can be thinking about again. So they don't end up in your office kind of thing. Sure. Sure. Um, the, okay. I, I absolutely love CrossFit and I love everything it's, that's going on. I think it's right now we're at the tip of the iceberg. You know, people get addicted to CrossFit, but it's addicting. It's a good, healthy, it's solution, a healthy addiction, you know? right? Yeah. But the slogan kind of bigger, faster, stronger kind of throws a little wrench in things because I think it should have a little asterisk up there that says bigger, faster, stronger, if done correctly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it should be done. The movement should be done correctly. So, and, and I know that there's, there's fantastic gyms around here in this area that I know specifically, you know, sitting in one right now. <laughs> and then uh, my gym that my wife runs across the mischief um, that I know that the coaches are well-trained, that they're not going to load up a, a, a client or a member with heavy weights say okay we're gonna do squats today let's let's put a lot of weight on and just do it you yeah. know so i know that um specifically we're gonna work our way up you know we're gonna get the movement down yeah. we're gonna fix the problems that you're decreasing the mobility and then we're gonna load the weight on right and then we had that uh when we had arianne on and we were talking about um uh crossfit business owners and what are some hard things that you have to do sometimes and it was like well sometimes we have to tell an athlete like you're not going to lift that and we have to like strip weight off and like they don't want to back off but we have to tell them you, you need to back off or you're going to hurt yourself and, and and you have to break that ego yeah. you know that mm -hmm. ego like i could do this i've done this you know those are the hardest ones sometimes the best yeah. best athletes well i've been doing this for 20 years you know i yeah. know what i'm doing and it's like well look at your squat, you know, you're yeah. not doing that. And, and you could get hurt And our job. And, you know, as a, you know, medical professionals and 
as uh, managing a class, your job is to make sure is safety, you know, safety is a major issue. So, you know, you just have to kind of break that ego that, yeah. all right, you, you, yes, you can do it, but you're not going to do it here. You're not going to yeah. do it in front of my coach and, and, and fr- at my gym. Yeah. Is that similar kind of for you, Jeff? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I absolutely 100% agree. I was trying to think of something else to say because that was exactly um, what was on my mind is that ego is the yeah. most dangerous thing in the gym. It's not it's not the CrossFit. It's not the rig. It's not the weights. It's the ego of the athlete, in my opinion, that leads to those injuries. Um, I think one thing just to uh, pile on to that, because I agree with everything he said, is not taking rest days, I think, is another huge one. You know, I run into people that literally are there seven days, and it's just, you know, you're breaking down your body, and you're not allowing the gains that you want. Right. And you can see you know, it, that whiteboard that they're so obsessed with checking those, yes. you know, boxes, they, they need their medal, you know, for yeah. that, um, for that PR. But if they really pay attention, I feel like a lot of times they're actually going down because they're not resting. They're not yeah. building muscle at all. And so those are the ones that I often see doing extra work over quietly, not trying to let anyone see them, trying to rehab something that hurts and they don't want to tell anybody. Right, right. Is that kind of for you too, Molly? It's like ego and dealing with that? Yeah, definitely. I th- I think something that I've been trying to build into my CrossFit practice and with my athletes is thinking about um, in- intentional movement. It's a piece that's missing sometimes. People just want to move as fast as possible. So like if you're warming up a class, as Kevin and I love to do with dead bugs, one of our favorite movements, oh, yeah. dead bugs, dead bugs, um, and people are, are making an AMRAP of dead bugs. And you're like, no, <laughs> no, this is not as many reps as you can do as fast as possible. No, this is slow. If you move slow, you're, you're going to be doing the movement better, and it's actually going to be harder to do. Um, and obviously there's a time to move fast, but there's a time to slow down and move with intention. So yeah. that's, that's what I have been practicing in my own life and trying to bring into my athletes as well. Yeah, it is funny. It's always like the gamification of CrossFit. Where you're like racing the clock, getting that last rep in, or trying to check trying that to beat out. Kevin's score. Trying to beat Kevin's score, win the warm up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's it is weird. It's like a pro and a con. It's on one hand, it's like part of what gets people going and makes them addicted and pushes them, but you can kind of go too far with it, you know. Are there any movements that you guys just don't like across the board? CrossFit wise, yeah. Not, uh, not nothing I can think of off the top of my head. Do you think everything can pretty much be done safely? It, if done correctly. Yeah. It's it's there's movements I don't like for certain people. Okay. You know, for you know, if you have if you can't bend over and you know get close to touching your toes because you have so much neural tension and discomfort down your back and legs, you probably aren't quite ready to be deadlifting. You know, things like that. So um, actually he touched on FMS and I'm a huge FMS advocate. I'm certified in all the different levels of FMS. And um, they put out, it's a really cool basically algorithm that says, if in this test you have discomfort, you shouldn't do this. And it lists out almost all of the fundamental like CrossFit movements. And I love that. And I've had to use that as an explanation to some people because you know, they just don't understand. Okay, you need to go and get rid of this symptom first, you know, before you do this movement. So I think all the movements can be done. And I've had plenty of CrossFit athletes who I've treated and have said for right now, no toes to bar for right now. Um, no, you know, front squats doesn't mean you'll never do them, but for right now you can't do that. And so far I've had success with people buying into that. Um, but yeah, I think it's movements for certain people that aren't good. And, and for those that are curious about what we're talking about with FMS, a great book, a guy's name is Gray Cook. 
book I, the book is called Movement, I believe, that I think you wrote. So I, I'd recommend you know check it out. Uh, pretty decent book, but to kind of tell off what your question was, what I absolutely love about CrossFit and is there movements that I wouldn't do? It's what's so great about CrossFit is there's modifications for everything. You know, um, you can range, you can have an elite athlete that's you know working out you know five days a week just a fire breather or you could have someone that their first time working out and they're you know 60 years old but you know they're still going to be doing squats they're still going to be doing but it's going to be modified modified you know and we can modify almost almost any movement you know there's there's modifications for almost everything which is fantastic i think about crossfit i think that's key too and people have to be comfortable with modifying that's always the hard part is like especially if you come from a place where you always did rx right so like i was always doing rx and then i injured myself and it's like it's so hard to go back and then be like all right, I'm going to modify this. And it's okay if I don't do it RX, even though I always used to do it RX. And then you get to a point where it's like, no big deal. You just get used to it. And you realize no one cares. That's the other thing, too, is you always think like, oh, it's such a big deal that I'm RX or on the whiteboard. And then you realize like, nobody really cares. They're just glad that you're coming and working out with them. And yeah, it's however the you're doing it. They yeah. just want so you so here. Funny. And I think for, for all of us here, I'm sure that uh, it's about building that culture. If we as the leaders of our you know, whether it's work or the gym or whatever, are unwilling to scale, people see that. And if we as the leaders are saying, you know what, um, today I'm not doing that much on deadlift because of X, Y, or Z, or, you know, I'm taking today off, and we're putting that into practice as far as building the culture, um, our athletes can buy into that too. Yeah. So how do you guys feel about kipping? Because it kind of gets a bad rap. Kipping, um yeah, I mean, it is a, it's a lot of extension on the back, and it does kind of load it up. But, you know, I've read read the argument that it's a functional movement, you know, because, all right, your your house is on fire. You need to get you need to get a pull-up. What are you going to do? What's going to be the easiest way to get up? You know, you're not going to do a strict pull-up to get up. You're going to use your full body and, and get up. But um, that kipping pull-up is a probably the most the biggest movement that I modify for my patients, it's like, because I do have a lot of back pain patients. It's like, all right, so we're going to not do super, so much hyper extension of the back. You know, you can, you can hit a, hit a point where it's just too much extension. I'm really big based on, um, on back extension based movements, but that one, that's one I, I, I try to limit more so than any other movements I would probably say in CrossFit. I would say it's definitely one that the requisite mobility has to be there. I see too many people try to force that. So if they don't have good enough shoulder mobility, you know, then they still try to do it. And, you know, if you don't have mobility in the shoulders, you have to steal it from somewhere else. And so, or vice versa, you know, if your back is, if you don't have good mobility in the spine and you're trying to get that movement, now you're either going to steal it from your shoulders or try to get your legs involved way more than you really need to, you know, going between that, um, you know, hollow position. And so I would say, yeah, I, I would echo what Tom said, but then definitely I really, the time I don't like it is when someone lacks the requisite mobility to do it properly. And yeah. I do think the strict pull-up is probably, probably more beneficial in, in my eyes, but you know, it's CrossFit has kipping pull-ups, so, yeah. so we do it. Yeah. And I was going to say, um, with birth fit in the, in the motherhood transition, kipping is one of the things that we ask moms to start limiting or avoid um, just because it's not, um, it, can, it can lead to um, DRA pretty badly. Um, diastasis, you know, where the muscles separate. Um, it's calm. Every woman who has a baby is going to have that separation, but how, as far as how bad it is and how much time it takes to rehab, it can be 
made much worse by doing movements like kipping or sit-ups or crunches or things like that. And then while we're talking about movements, where do you guys come down on the deadlift? Because I know that's always a big back one, and that's one everyone likes to talk about in terms of is it is it it's fine if they have the flexibility and keep the load correct or have the right movement or I don't know. What do you guys think about deadlifts or going heavy on deadlift and all that? Yeah. With just in uh, my uh, eyes, it's one of the best best movements you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, again, asterisks if done correctly. Yeah. You know, not done correctly. I'll see you in my office on, you know, <laughs> tomorrow, right. the, the next day. But yeah. it, it's fantastic. You know, it works the hamstrings, works the glutes. You know, you, if you do it correctly, you're going to feel sore in your lats. You know, you're, you're, you're engaging your lats. So it's a fantastic functional movement if done correctly. Yep. Yeah. And because, you know, I've heard the argument, again, maybe not with an Olympic barbell, you know, but even doing deadlift with older adults and things like that, I've heard the argument of why would you ever do that? And it's like, well... Do you want them to bend over and use their back to pick up their groceries or would you like them to use a good position and go down into that? So I definitely think it is kind of a functional sort of a basic human pattern. Yeah. Um, because otherwise, what's the alternative? You yeah. know, if you're trying to pick up a load How from you the ground, pick up something. right. And yeah. so maybe they can't squat or maybe. They, so there's a lot of different reasons why it can be a great functional movement. So I'm actually a big fan. Again, Every, everybody deadlifts, even people who mm-hmm. don't like the deadlift. How are you getting things off the floor in your house? You know. Yes. <laughs> what about something like toes to bar? That like I don't know. I guess is that a functional movement? I don't know. I mean, and I, that one, you know, you obviously there's that weird flexion or whatever it's called. Yeah. You're doing. So, um, without getting a lot of backlash, I'm going to say that I try to avoid any forward crunching type movements. So would that include sit-ups too? That would yeah. include sit-ups as well. I mean, there's a lot. There's a, a fantastic. Uh, um, professor out in, I think, Waterloo, um, Stuart McGill, that just, you know, despises a lot of flexion-based movements with crunches and sit-ups being one of them. I right. mean, he, he breaks he it down. he has the big three or whatever, right, where he, he kind of redoes some of those workouts or... He has like three exercises now. He has an, another way of doing sit-ups that he feels. He is does, better. yeah, yeah. yeah we're yeah. You arch the back, so you kind of yeah. you do a little hip hinge. But um, he even breaks it down to the you know the scientific point of well, here's how many newtons are getting loaded on your L4, L5 disc segment, like something that you know yeah. we would never do in our office. But um, again, with CrossFit, there's modifications with everything. So um, with my patients, I I. I throw in a plank, you know, or I throw in mm-hmm. side planks or yeah. like Molly said, dead bugs, you know, anything to strengthen the core. But in my personal opinion, I try to limit most flexion based movements like that. So being toes of the bars, sit ups, crunches. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's a, it's a CrossFit staple and I'm not going to have Castro yeah. on here telling, <laughs> you know, telling that, you know, maybe limit those next, next yeah. open, you know, probably <laughs> won't happen. How about you, Jeff? Are you on the same page on that or do you have a different opinion? Um, absolutely. So the movements that he gave, uh, gave examples of are sort of what we call isometric movements, right? And so for me, most of my patients, what they lack, they don't need to be able to lift a object up with their chest. You know, they don't need to necessarily do that. What I tend to find the bigger deficit in the core and where people benefit, and we hit it in CrossFit with some of the movements, whether intentionally or not, is more the ability to stabilize and actually resist movement using the trunk. So anti-rotation or anti-extension, anti-flexion. So getting yourself in a position like a plank that gravity would put you into a certain movement and you resist it. So to me, those are more valuable to patients and more functional. To lift a box overhead, I need to be able to stabilize my core. I don't need to crunch it. 
Right. And so, um, in my take on that, I take a slightly different take. I don't, I don't prescribe it per se, but I'm okay with people doing it in the general fitness realm because they want the abs, they want to have more of that strength. And if they're not doing it here, they might be doing it at Globo Gym or yeah. somewhere else. Um, so again, having them do it and do it in moderation and do it right, I, I'm not necessarily completely against it. You know, toes to bar if done right, great for the lats. You know, there's there is some different you know benefit to it, but probably not one of my absolute favorite movements but yeah. yeah well if you look at little babies or toddlers as they start to learn to crawl and get up and walk they don't do crunches to get up so that's it's not necessarily the functional way to get up you know throw your arms back and do a big crunch um a baby will turn on to their side and then flip over onto all yep. fours so and that brings up a good point like if if you ever want to see how to do a movement correctly watch a two-year-old yep. you know pick up his, pick up his toy you know he does a perfect squat a perfect deadlift mm -hmm. you know they move perfectly and then throughout life we just slowly progress you know we sit in an office all day sit in a chair and then our body kind of adapts to that and then we lose that that functional movement you know right there was a i'm not going to remember the book but it was a Basically, this lady who was giving a TED talk and is sort of known in that space would, was showing like uh, like Aboriginal, you know, sort of like third world cultures and how they kind of had a more natural movement because they were like moving with their bodies and not like sitting in chairs all day. And it was like they didn't lose it as quickly as we did in the Western world and it would show that they look, they have a perfect hip hinge and, you know, all this stuff that like somehow we just like lose as we grow up and I don't know, work in an office all day and sit in a chair and. Let's just say our bodies were not designed to be sitting in chairs yeah. for, you know, eight hours a day, five days a week. Yeah. How do you guys feel about the things like the standing desks or the squatty potties? Some of these things that are like trying to get you back to the... <laughs> All I can think of with the squatty potty is the commercials. <laughs> with the unicorn. <laughs> with the unicorn. Uh, I mean, that's so I got to collect point. myself here. That's like kind of the point of some of those things, right? I mean... So... I feel like I feel like um, I feel like a broken record, but again, in moderation. So actually, I was listening to I think it was your guys' last podcast okay. uh, with uh, Emmett, I believe, yes. yeah. and I loved what he said because I don't hear it that often. He was saying those people that stand all day, they actually need to sit sometimes, and yes. so. Again, those standing desks are great, but now I have these patients who go from 20 years of sitting eight hours a day mm -hmm. and all of a sudden they stand for eight hours. Yes. To go from sitting for eight hours, right, to standing for eight hours, the load you just placed on your body, you just took a totally different yes. way of stressing your body and flipped it cold turkey. And so, again, I'm a fan, but do it properly, do it, you know, kind of build up to it. Um, it Anything we do repetitively, you know, I think of factory workers, overuse, too much of anything, I feel yes. like I'm just spitting out cliches left and right, but <laughs> too much of anything is not good. Yeah. And so those standing desks can be great as a way to break it up. But now if you never sit, you've got a different slew of problems that you're going to end up having because you're not used to it. Yeah. But uh, you didn't touch on the squatty potty. I'm staying away from that one. <laughs> <laughs> I do use that at home. <laughs> you know, we have it at home. Molly got it. And I don't know. I just like think it's annoying. Like it gets in the way, and I just kind of like move it out of the way. But I'm not. I'm not there yet. I guess. <laughs> Maybe I need to open my mind. I don't know. Yeah. Watch the commercial again. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We'll have the to put a link. The commercial has a lot of good research on it. I mean, it yeah. seems like it works. I don't know specifically, <laughs> nor, nor have I read too much about it. But I guess it must um, be right. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I was wondering, because we've talked a lot about the sort of the dangers of, of running or in CrossFit, common injuries. What are some of the benefits that you guys have seen for people that started moving? They started running or started doing CrossFit. What are the changes you've seen in, in their, you know, level of happiness and movement in life? It, well, not only physically appearance wise, but mentally, I mean, yes. to go from there's, there's two main things to health that I, that I look on, they're going to be your diet and your exercise. And if you can hit both of those, or at least one of those, and for someone that's never really worked out to going to CrossFit, you know, and then they, they drink that Kool-Aid, they, they say, Hey, this is fun. And you know, there's people around me that are all on the same page. It's just like, it flips a switch that says, hey, this, you know, it opens their eyes. It, it makes them feel good about themselves. And you can just see it in, 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 every, in, in this, the passion that our members have and CrossFit members have that it's a totally different lifestyle. You know, it's not necessarily um, like, all right, you're going to do this for 30 days. See how it goes. You know, it's it's a completely different aspect on how you live your life, it, it, as far as exercise wise. And I mean, even the the diet wise, it's you want to make sure that these patients and these members that not only are they just doing a, a fad, they're they're changing their lifestyle, and and you can just see the difference. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's absolutely awesome. Especially that's. I mean, that's one of the main reasons why I love CrossFit. So I think I answered your question. Yeah. I kind of got yeah. Yeah, so for me, I, that's exactly where I was. I was sitting here hoping he'd go physical and I could come in with the mental piece <laughs> afterwards. But um, yeah, that's the probably the biggest the biggest one for me um, is just that motivating piece yeah. for people, that sense of community. And so, um, you know, whether it's CrossFit or running, I'll actually use my wife as an example. Um, up until about six months ago, the most she had ever run was a 5k. So she liked to run. She would go to the gym. She'd do some core work. She'd, you know, every now and then we'd do a 5k race. We'd have fun. And that was, you know, that was kind of her routine. <clears throat> uh, through our church, she decided to run the Chicago Marathon this, you know, a couple weeks ago. And so for six months, she did the training and just watching the transformation of her. She is the most self-proclaimed anti-morning person. <laughs> Seeing her get up for these 6 a.m. runs and just every Saturday doing the mile group or the longer group runs. It was just so awesome to see that confidence and to see her finish the Chicago Marathon and now already talking about what she's going to do different next year was just like, wow. You know, I was yeah. shocked. Um, just to see that. And so I see it so often with people that join a community running CrossFit, what have you. And I just love the piece for CrossFit. That's really, um, exciting to me is the fact that there's this CrossFit health initiative now and seeing how they're revamping the games and some of the comments that are out there about how it's more about the everyday athletes in the gym and not just the competitors. I, I think that's genius. I love it. And it's really it's making it easier for me to sell CrossFit, you know, when I talk to people and they say, how can you do CrossFit and you're a PT, you know, and I love those conversations because, you know, I get to get on my soapbox, but, um, I, I just really think it's, it's a very, very healthy gateway drug. Yeah. yeah. I, that's one thing we talk about a lot is that the, the old branding and messaging of CrossFit, I think hurts it for new people a lot of times now with the forging elite fitness. And you think mm -hmm. it's like these, the kind of people you see at the CrossFit Games, right? And and so a norm, quote unquote normal person looks at it and is like, oh, I'm never going to be doing handstand push-ups and all these kind of things. So they're or throwing these weights around. So it's yep. it like scares away the normal person. And so we always have to have that conversation. Like it's not, you know, it's good for everyone. You know, there's there's ways to do it where it's not you're not doing you know a million handstand push-ups and everything. And 
backing away a little bit from that, you know, crazy level of fitness, you know, whatever some of the like the crazy level that some of the hero wads are at. And, you know, you're not going to be having to do this at this deadlift weight and all that. And I, I think, lo- oh, sorry, sorry, I, I think Glassman is doing a fantastic job of, of making that awareness that yeah. this is this is health. This yeah. isn't, you know, we're not creating the, you know, the superhuman, you know, yes. we're, we're getting people healthy. And I think he's on a he's on a terror right now of just like all right we're anti sugar you know he's got the battle with Coca Cola yeah. like you know, and he is I think I think he's doing great things for you know just our society alone. And I know people a lot of everyone has their own opinion about about this, but um, I think it's it's great. And like I said before, I think this is a tip of the iceberg where CrossFit is just you know it's on its way up where you know he can start incorporating um, you know just the healthy lifestyle. Yeah. And, and it's an addiction, you know, and it's mm-hmm. great. And it's a fantastic addiction, which it's health. Yeah. You know? yeah. And it has the community. So it's like it becomes easy. Like so people know, oh, I should be working. I should be doing this. But it's really hard for them to just go into a gym and go lift. Right. Whereas now it's like, oh, well, you know, your buddies are going to be there and you're going to be working out together. And like, I feel like that's a lot of the special sauce is obviously the formula of the workouts. But then also like we're doing we're in this together. Right. And we're all like at the same group class. Like I'm going to see you at 515 a.m. or whenever your time slot is. And you're kind of like looking forward to seeing your friends and doing it together. Absolutely. I mean, he posts the workouts online. You can just go online and you can do it at home. Yeah. But, you know, where's the just going to the gym and being with the community being I mean, that that alone is 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 worth it right there. Yeah. And how about for you guys like getting involved in CrossFit in the first place? What was that like? I know, Jeff, you're reasonably more recent to CrossFit. Yep. Um, how did you even get into it? Sure. So, um, I will be the first to admit I was a skeptic. Um, you know, I, I read some of the some of the articles bashing CrossFit, and um, I was at a point in my life where I was so busy, you know, all these different research things I was looking at, I didn't really dive in. So I kind of just took those little bits that I got and took it to be truth. Um, and it was actually uh, my best friend <clears throat> was recovering from his second ACL repair, and he finished his rehab, and he had done CrossFit before. Um, but before we had become as good a friend. So um, that wasn't something I was as tuned in and aware of. And so when he decided, again, with a relatively freshly repaired ACL to go and, you know, sign up at CrossFit, I said, all right, you know, let me, what are you thinking? (laughs) You know, and so um, we had some great conversations about it and just listening to him and, you know, seeing that. And I said, all right, man, are you sure this is a good idea? Second ACL repair. You don't know when to stop. Um, How's this going to end up? So a few months later, I think it was probably three months, you know, he's like, hey, I talked to the coach. He said, you've got to come with me, you know, just come drop in, just come check it out. And I did. And I mean, I, but even before PT school, I have a master's in exercise science. I'm a certified um, corrective exercise specialist. So I, quote, know what to do at the gym. But And I go to the gym, and I wouldn't get that great a workout. Like, yeah. I went for this one class, and it was a performance class. It wasn't even like a you know big lifting class. I literally crawled out of there. <laughs> and so my ego definitely you know got checked at that point. Yeah. And so I said, and he, you know, I called him later that day. I said, all right, you got me. You know, one class, and I'm kind of hooked. And I, to this day, I think the worst workout I've ever, uh, worst as far as, like, least beneficial workout I've ever had at CrossFit was probably better than any workout I've ever put myself through. Wow. And, you know, that's what I tell people. Like, the CrossFit program or the community? I mean, what makes it so different for you? I think it's just a huge combination. I think it's the stimulus. I think it's the duration. I think it's the fact that I don't have to think at all. 
I think all it. day long. Yeah. I don't. I love not having to think when I go to the gym. Yeah. I wake up at four twenty, eat, get my car. Five o'clock, I'm at the gym. Someone's gonna tell me what to do, and they're gonna tell me what to do for the next sixty minutes. I like another morning crew person. Yeah, yeah everyone's really I, I love the morning. <laughs> crew. Yeah. yeah, do it. It is. It's fantastic. <laughs> I love. I literally can show up and have no clue. I don't. Half the time, I don't check to see what the workout is. Yeah. I get there, and someone is going to put me through a great workout, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna be better for it. Yeah. It's nice trusting the process like that too. Like I got just recently got to the point where I don't check the workout. I'm like, you know what? Wherever it is, I'm gonna go. It'll be a good workout. I can scale it if I need to. It used to be I have to look ahead and you know think about like strategize. How am I gonna do this? And there's something freeing about just showing up and being like, whatever they say, that's what I'm doing. Absolutely. How about you, Tom? I know uh, you've been in the world a little longer. Yeah. Well, let's take a trip down memory lane. <laughs> so, um, high school played. Uh, football, volleyball, very active, graduated, uh, swam, collegiate swimmer for four years, and then graduated about 2005, 2000, 2005 from college. And then from about 2005 to about 2008, I was kind of on my own. I didn't have the structure. I was, I didn't have a coach. You mm -hmm. know, I was, um, I was doing the Globo gym, working on export, chest and try on Tuesday, back by Wednesday, Gotta love it. Never leg day. You got, you got the mirrors <laughs> there. You day. can watch, make sure you're getting the pump. Exactly. And then um, about 2008, uh, one of my one of my best friends, Luke Summers, he he runs Power Athlete right now, and he got me into CrossFit. There was a gym that opened up in, in the area, and it was you know one of the first probably three four gyms in Illinois. And he's like, hey dude, I got this awesome workout called crossfit and he's like you know you just kind of flip tires you're hammering stuff you're doing this and i'm like dude that sounds insane i want in on this yeah. so uh, i did a workout uh, i think the first one i did was a workout in the park that he was trying he's trying to build the gym a little bit so he's like he got all got all our buddies around and we did a workout in the park and it was just like kind of the same thing jeff's like whoa like okay this is it this is what i need you know yeah. you don't have to think you know you have a, you have a structured coach and then you just do it, you know, and it's a good workout. You feel great. So that was about 2008. Fest, I worked, I did CrossFit for about two, three years, bounced around a couple gyms. Um, and then I, I went, started chiropractic school. So I got a little busy uh, and then opened up, Amplify opened up, which was in Lyle. And that was, was one of the first members there. So it was kind of like the original Thunderbolt, you know, it was just like a small, small town, you know, couple people per yeah. per class you know one garage door and now they're they exploded now kind of like you guys you got this yeah. huge place um and then fast forward a little bit kind of a little side story my wife was doing the corporate gig and she's very active you know arianne is just she's awesome she's just always active you know yeah. like fitness is her 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 bloodline you know it's what she wants so she she wanted out of the corporate gig she got a job working for a gym out in uh, this would have been in Darien. So she was a head marketing person for this gym. So she did all that, didn't like it. And then eventually ran, ran her own CrossFit gym, had a little falling out. It was about 2000, about two years, 2016. It was like, Hey, okay. Hey, uh, you don't have a job. All right, let's open up a gym. She's like, I know what you're doing. I, I know, you know, the marketing of it. I know how to run a gym. So guess what? We're going to open up a gym. So now then we opened up mischief and then kind of the rest is history. I've, I've stuck with CrossFit for a while and, really started getting into it you know like die hard probably a couple of years ago and yeah. it just it's fascinating I, I absolutely love it uh one thing i think is interesting to think about is how has uh 
CrossFit changed for you over the years? Or how, in general, do you see things changing for, not that you're an aging athlete, I'll use it for myself, for, for aging, <laughs> I am. aging athletes, like, you know, whatever, like, at least for mine, I start to hit your 40s. And uh, I guess, what do you see are things that people need to start thinking about or changing as, like, aging athletes? Because I'm sure you guys see, especially in this area, people stay athletic for a very long time. I mean, you have people running forever. I mean, we have CrossFit athletes. I don't know how old some of the people are in their 50s. Um, I think we have uh, some in their 60s. Yeah. So what are the things that aging, af- aging athletes need to think about besides, obviously, like cooling it on the crazy RX stuff? Uh, modifications are big. Um, yeah. You know, your diet is going to play more. I mean, when you're young, you eat whatever you want, you know. Yeah. Now you're, you're getting older. You got to kind of watch your diet. Um, stay active. Just don't overdo it. I mean... Um, modifications are key, but kind of like you said with, with the original CrossFit, kind of how it opened up, it was, you know, the, what you're going to, um, let's see, what am I trying to say here? Uh, kind of how the original CrossFit started was, you know, you're trying to be that elite athlete where you want to be ground and pound. Now, kind of how I was saying before, Glass was gearing it towards health. So, you know, trying to stay active, trying to incorporate the diet and the exercise for the, um, for the older older members yeah. i mean it's geared towards everyone yeah like you can just modify anything you need so yeah same for you jeff yeah i would say i would say modify over avoid um so instead meaning of modify doing... it don't look for ways to modify it don't just stop right I because see. a lot of the movements you know the fundamental movements if you completely avoid it you're not getting that stimulus through something else right so if you're completely avoiding um deadlifting yeah you know well i mean Unless you do a movement that involves a deadlift. But um, I I think it's important that people find ways to modify and not just avoid. And then the other really big one, and this is what I see a lot, is mobility. So they need to focus even more on the mobility aspect. Because just, you know, naturally, your body, well, there's this whole argument over aged caused versus age related. But um, you lose mobility over time. Yeah. All right. There's fluid changes in you know cells, et cetera. So without getting too far into that, um, I think mobility is really big, especially if it's the aging athlete who's been doing CrossFit for so long, because there's that danger of, oh, I know how to do overhead movements. I know how to do this. I've been doing that for 10 years. I think it's important that those individuals realize that they need to maintain mobility. Yeah. You know, they still need to get on that mat and, you know, take the time to maintain and or improve mobility. Yeah. Are there specific mobility things you guys recommend or it's kind of specific to what their problem is? So like, is it, you know, doing a ROMWAD every day or is it um, kind of class specific? Like make sure you hang around for the stretching part or I'm big on yoga, you know, yeah. just mm-hmm. maybe yoga a couple times a week. I mean, Grab that foam roller. Foam rollers are key. You know, I love yeah. foam rollers. You can you can do so much with them. Uh, I'd say hips need a lot of mobility. Um, you can. Everyone's kind of different, but you know, it's, yeah. Hips are hips are always a big. Yeah. Big. I'd say ankles too. I think ankles get ignored a lot. Yeah, you're I right. I mean, I feel like our gym does a pretty good job of it. Um, but you know, if you don't have ankle mobility, again, to use the term I used earlier, you're going to steal it from somewhere else. Yeah. So now you're going to really have to get it from your hips or from your knees and again, as we get older, those are the areas we start having pain. And I think that's another thing is not to ignore pain. Um, I feel like too many people, and I'm sure you get this in your office, um, Tom, is too many people that say, oh, yeah, I hurt, but I'm getting old. 
it's just normal. Yeah. I'm just, it's age. Yeah, it's yeah. just age. Uh, it's it's fine. It's just arthritis. It's normal. Yeah. You know, instead of saying, why do I hurt? Yes. You know, really trying to get to that why. And I think too many people are comfortable being in pain. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. Um, I want to start to talk about, you know, just the future and what's kind of like five to ten year goals you guys have. But I want to just open up. Was there anything else we want to try to touch on before we start to go into the future? I think we hit what I wanted to talk about. I kind of thought with a PT and a chiropractor, it'd be a little more argumentative. Yeah, well, I mean, get into that a little bit. Is there like a, you know, it's like you have these two different worlds. Is it, do they, those two groups tend to fight with each other? I don't know. You gotta. I, I think that's a big problem with the healthcare system itself. Mm -hmm. Is our obviously our main goals here are to help people get better. You know, and and in my personal experience, kind of that backstory where I was talking about in in high school where I prevented surgery. I had a chiropractor and I had physical therapist mm -hmm. going at the same time. So they, I think it's a great combination. Uh, you know, it's a non-prescription medication, you know, uh, to get better. And yeah. That's the main goal is just, as long as we're, the, the patient is benefiting from it, you know, more power to it. So we can all agree surgeons are the problem. <laughs> so the, I was actually just about to say it's sort of like to use like a Marvel or DC reference. It's like, you know, we're sort of these guardians of the galaxy going against like these big pharma companies. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I, I know chiropractic's been involved in it too, but uh, PT, as far as uh, um, uh, lobbying or uh, I'm really struggling to find the word I'm looking for, but there's this big movement for like, trying PT first. And that's not to say over a chiropractic, but instead of opioids, instead of surgery, jumping into surgery at whatever age you said, 16. Right. Yeah. I mean, there are studies out there that show like once you have one back surgery, the odds of having another in three years are really high. Yeah. So I would honestly say that that's definitely the older um, idea and thought. There definitely used to be a lot more kind of that conflict between PT and chiropractic. But as you see, um, and this is what I see in a lot of my continuing education classes is exactly what I heard from him. There's so much overlap now. We're taking some of the same approach. Um, obviously, he's got skills that I don't have. Um, and hopefully I've got some skills that Advice maybe he doesn't have. <laughs> um, but, you know, there is a lot of overlap. And, you know, just like he said, he had both. I mean, I'm a PT. I oversee a clinic. So I have a staff of PTs I could go to. But I actually seek chiropractic care myself yeah. so um there's definitely a value in both um i would say if there is conflict or if we if there is sort of a antagonist in the story to me it is those out there again most of the docs i work with are fantastic but there are plenty out there that over prescribe medications and mm -hmm. just feed into these just terrible pain behaviors and beliefs in patients um and that's a whole nother podcast yeah that's all right um so looking to the future, what do you guys have specific, uh, I guess, five to 10 year goals for your work or your business or even for the crossfitting you're doing? What's, what's next for you guys is kind of what I'm getting at. So into the future now. Into the um, future. You got to do like that. We'll add that in. We'll add, okay, that, okay. we'll add that in post. The future. <laughs> so my <laughs> ultimate goal right now um, is as we were talking earlier i just kind of i bought out my partner uh i opened up spark chiropractic with my partner in 2013 and september 1st is when i officially kind of took over 100 percent of it so oh, really re recent really recent yeah. yeah so it was kind of a it's been a cluster you know still trying to get everything rolling i have an office in aurora kind of by fox valley mall and then i have another office in brookfield so kind of bouncing between those two offices at the moment um and then i have crossfit mischief which i've do probably 2% of it. And I'd say Ariane does 98% of it. Okay. Um, and, and ultimate goal 
for the next five to 10 years is to combine the CrossFit gym with, with my clinic. So, okay. um, I literally like the same physical location. Yeah. So my, I have it in my head, I have Kinsella wellness center and what it's going to be, it's going to be, um, it's going to be half medical facility, half CrossFit gym. So I'm going to have my clinic, you know, maybe physical therapy in there, maybe yoga, you know, massage nice. therapy, whatever yeah. it is, but it's going to be a one-stop shop for yeah. the ultimate health store, you know, and awesome. That's, I mean, it's it's not as easy as you think. <laughs> it's a great idea in so, theory. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, you have to pay for this stuff. Yeah. So you know, I, I've been meeting with banks. You know, trying to trying to figure out the financials behind it. Yeah. Behind it, but you need a certain it, amount of space and all that to make it, it work. Location. Yeah. You know, location, it's not easy. Yeah. One thing we're finding, it's not easy to get a warehouse style CrossFit gym where we are. You know, kind of by. Yeah. Fox Valley Mall, you know, Naperville area. They're not yeah. big on, on, you know, garage door CrossFit gyms. Right, you know? which is like the traditional, like, old school style. Exactly. Yeah. I guess it's not a must. I mean, I've been to CrossFits up north that were literally like spas almost. Like, they were, it was a weird different spin on a CrossFit gym. Like, it w didn't have the bay doors and all that. It was... Mm -hmm. Like a it, fancier building, and I mean, I don't know if that's better or worse, but it was different. I, I guess but not it's that like, garage feel. But not the garage feel. I mean, there's pros and cons to the whole garage thing. Yeah. So I mean, that's our goal for the next five to ten years. Obviously, grow the businesses. Um, yeah. And then combine the two, and make sure, um, yeah, and just go with it. See yeah. What happens. That's awesome. How about you, Jeff? What's next for you? Do you have anything on the horizon? Um, from a CrossFit standpoint, I mean, I've been doing CrossFit now only for a year and a half. Yeah. So when I started out, it was, I'm going to do this. It's going to be my workout. It's going to be my escape. I will never do competitions. I'll never do, right. you know, this kind of stuff. I'll never, um, there were a lot of I nevers and yeah. slowly I'm checking them all off and doing <laughs> them. Um, and so, um, you know, I've started, um, we actually were going to do, um, a competition with a few of my, uh, friends at the gym. Unfortunately it was canceled. Yeah. Um, it was the one out in Naperville there, uh, this summer and thank goodness it did because it was like 110 degrees and it would have been outside um but so definitely getting more involved with that i actually i keep spinning the idea of possibly getting my level one cert um i feel like i have a ways to go before i can be a model to other people still you know i need to get some of the movements down better myself but i really feel like as i start to rehab more and more crossfit athletes i feel like having that um and there's a few pts again that i follow through social media and um that I kind of look at as mentors that have their um, cert. And I just feel like that would be a good piece for me uh, ultimately. And then as you mentioned in the beginning, I also, uh, I teach. So um, at one of the PT schools here out in the suburbs. So um, part-time in addition to um, overseeing my clinic. And so um, I sort of go back and forth of the five, 10 year plan is my goal to take on a larger management type role or yeah. is it to go more into the academic realm? Um, I did long ago have dreams of owning my own practice and this and that, and especially for in the PT world, that's becoming far less common. Okay. Um, and it's honestly, unless you do like a like a cash based, real niche, you know, yeah. um, it, it's really hard. I, I'm curious how so many are able to still do it in chiropractic because right now, because of some of the companies in the area, the bigger, you know, yeah. big box, we'll call them, um, PT places, they really kind of just make that difficult. Yes. I think that's changing now with direct access and all of that. So I think you'll see some more start to come up on the cash base side. But um, currently for myself and my family, um, probably not the route I'll go. So probably nice. just uh, keep doing what I'm doing and... And then I guess the last thing is if people want to find you online or get in contact or have other questions for you, what's the best place for them to find you? 
Yeah, so my website, the, the name of the chiropractic clinic is Spark Chiropractic. It's S-P-A-R-C. So it stands for Sports Performance Acupuncture and Rehab Clinic. So if you go to www.sparkchiropractic.com, you can find me there. Uh, schedule appointments online or even give me a call and we can we can talk. Yeah. Yeah, and for me, um, strategically avoiding giving away yeah. the uh, hospital system I work for for legal purposes. Um, you know, my personal email is J and then S A M as in Mary B U one at gmail.com if anyone has questions. Now, are you um, going to be okay with the thousands and thousands of emails that you're probably going to get? I mean, this, this is this is a really big podcast. So, out? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I have a, a good spam filter or something. To I've hired in. my uh, youngest daughter. She's, <laughs> she's four. Um, she's going to filter all of them okay, and then great. decide which ones get which through. Ones makes sense. Okay, um, good. You know, otherwise, you know, I'm I'm on Facebook. Yeah. So awesome. Well, this has been great. Um, thanks, guys, for joining us. This has been a lot of fun, and I think everybody kind of learned a lot. It was kind of cool to hear how those two worlds work and that they can actually work together. So that's awesome. Um, this has been another episode of the Thunderbolt Strength Podcast. Until next time, stay strong. Stay strong. <laughs>